<laughs> well, uh, question number two. Uh, I'd like to... Uh, 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 question number two is this. The days of creation. A literal reading of Genesis 1 has become a symbol of faithful biblical interpretation within many circles. Some Christians have been trying to reconcile mainstream science with the Genesis account by constructing a day-age reading of the text. Ben, you don't believe in the day-age theory, the day theory, but you also have mentioned that young earth creationists are missing the target with Genesis 1. Could you explain what's really going on in the text? All right, well... I don't know if I can explain it fully in a way that will totally satisfy your audience in a short amount of time. But uh, I don't know. What, it's, what it's I start, up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> what, the way that I start uh, is dealing with this idea of uh, I believe that when God communicates to ancient Israelites, to the biblical authors, uh, generally speaking, he's he condescends to their culture. Um he speaks to them in their own cultural context. So to give you an example of this, like a, a micro example that might help you understand uh, how we can apply this principle. If you ever, if, if you do a search in your Bible, uh, particularly within the Hebrew text for the word for kidney, uh, the Hebrew word kleot, mm. you'll find that it's used all the time alongside like the word heart. Uh, it's, most often translated in English or in other languages is mind, the word kidneys. So you'll have passages uh, where someone will think with their kidneys, uh, essentially. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, and so, one example that I pulled up, there's probably a dozen in the text, but uh, Psalm 26, verse 2, you have uh, King David and he's praying, Oh, Lord, uh, test me, try my kidneys. And, you know, you have people translate it as try my heart, weigh my my mind, that sort of thing. But the text literally says in the Hebrew, uh, Lord, judge my kidneys. <laughs> mm. So uh, it's not just the ancient Hebrews that spoke this way. Uh, there have been articles published by a medical historian showing the ancient Egyptians for example, uh, when they made mummies, they would make these canopic jars, and they would take mm. the vital organs that the person needed for the afterlife, and they'd, just, just they'd like, shove the kidneys in a jar. And just like the it. movie. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> like the movie. Yes. Same thing in, uh, in Mesopotamia. Mm. Uh, you, you have this language of people thinking the idea is that kidneys are kind of the seed of, of consciousness shared with the heart. So what I'm getting at here is, like, if it doesn't scare you or disturb you that God would reveal this psalm to David and he would he would allow him to say something like God test my kidneys try search my kidneys uh, if that doesn't like uh, destroy your faith in the inerrance in, in the inspiration of the Bible then then I think uh, I think what I what I'm about to show you it can you'll be all right with that too <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. no, I will be all right but not many people <laughs> <laughs> right I don't take this assumption that whenever God speaks to an Israelite, to an ancient Israelite, that he has to be, like, scientifically, technically precise. I don't take this assumption that uh, Genesis 1, for example, is, like, contains coded astrophysics and that it's all scientifically exactly precise. I think there are very particular uh, purposes 
especially Genesis 1, is written for. It's written as a theological polemic against other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts. It's written in response to the Babylonian exile, uh, to the fact that the Jews have been uh, deported from their homeland, and they're, they're uh, theologically just terrified. That it looks like this god Marduk is stronger than their god Yahweh. Uh, so when it comes to the seven days of Genesis in particular, the question that we have to ask is what's being communicated with this idea of seven days of creation? Uh, and to start with virtually all scholars, I've never encountered a single Old Testament scholar that does not believe that the seven days of creation, uh, they, they refer to a temple building process. So, Every scholar that I've ever seen believes that Genesis 1 represents God creating the world as a cosmic temple, essentially. Uh, when you read temple-building texts within other passages in the Bible, they contain one-to-one parallels with Genesis 1 with how the cosmos is set up in that text. And what we find is, so for example, when Moses is building the tabernacle, it's spread out across uh, numerous passages, but primarily Exodus 40. It's con- the tabernacle is constructed in very clear seven different stages that break apart naturally in the text. And then uh, Moses ordains it within a seven-day process. Uh, when Solomon constructs his temple, this is crazy. It's uh, 1 Kings uh, verse 6, or not, 1 Kings chapter 6. He constructs the uh, tabernacle in seven years. Uh, the temple was then dedicated during a seven-day festival that fell on the seventh month of that year. This is in 1 Kings chapter 8. And then Solomon gives a speech during the dedication of the temple that includes seven petitions. And then just like in Genesis, God comes to rest in the temple, to reside in the temple, uh, once it's finally inaugurated in this seven-stage process. Uh, so the next thing to draw attention to is the fact that uh, this isn't just ancient Israelites that use this seven-phase building process for a temple. So, for example, in uh, Sumerian literature, we have what are called the Gedea cylinders. Uh, they recount the building of a temple for a king, Gedea, uh, which occurs, which is inaugurated with a seven-day dedication feast for the temple. And the Ugaritic text, which I think I've been referencing these a lot already, I think that, uh, it's probably my favorite parallel there's a, a Baal text where Baal is building his temple. It's in KTU 1-4. And, and can you explain essentially what K- Baal built... Can you explain what KTU stands for? Because you did the second time you mentioned it. It's German. It stands for the Ugaritic alphabetic text. Ah, okay, okay. In German. Because uh, I never heard of it. That's why I said, oh, this is a, something something I've never heard of. So, so, yeah, that's the German term. But... What, what I'm getting at is that uh, mm-hmm. Baal builds his temple very clearly in seven days, mm-hmm. uh, his own his own temple where he resides. So uh, Interesting, because if Baal built his temple in seven days, then Yahweh builds the whole universe or the whole earth in seven days. So it's a more much more powerful God in a sense. Eh? Right, right. And uh, Yahweh is doing this. It's 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 extremely clear in in Genesis that Yahweh is building the universe as a temple mm. uh, as well. Take so the you, point that I'm getting view, at essentially is that the seven that. days of Genesis, I don't think that they're primarily intended to communicate uh, this sort of the 
literal scientific information about the material formation of the cosmos. Rather, what's going on is uh, Yahweh's communicating this idea after the exile that the whole universe is his temple and he resides over all of it. Uh, it's not this case that the Jews had formerly believed that uh, Marduk is over here and he's got this plot of land covered and like you have other some Baal, he's got this plot of land like that's in reality, Yahweh, he's he's king over all of it. And even though the Judeans are now in exile in Babylon, uh, he's he's still enthroned. He's still in power. Mm. Which goes against are, which goes against the ancient Near Eastern and also some Roman times that when a people is defeated, their gods is also defeated. Exactly, and uh, if I wouldn't say this if I hadn't read the text directly, but uh, mm. if you read texts about Marduk, like he was taken very very seriously by the ancient uh, Babylonians, uh, their texts that come close to almost enthroning him as as. Not quite a monotheistic god, but they attribute him titles of all the gods, and he's like this huge—he's uh, this huge warrior deity that's alleged to have created the earth. Mm. So you have to keep that in mind. He's the one that created the cosmos and Babylonian cosmology. Mm. So when uh, Ju- Judeans thought that there was no way that the temple could ever fall, because uh, they had prophecies that thought said, you know, God would never let this happen. He would never let David's dynasty collapse. And when it did, it looks like, oh, wow, Marduk is stronger than Yahweh. Mm. So this is a, it generated a very clear theological crisis. Yes. And you have all sorts of texts. You have Ezekiel, you have, uh, in my opinion, the, the editing of Genesis 1 and a lot, a couple of other passages in Genesis where they're very clearly responding to this theological crisis. And trying to make meaning of what of what's what's just happened historically, I don't think that they're necessarily that they care so much about velociraptors and <laughs> uh, the literal like how many millions of years old the Earth is. That's not mm. if you read Genesis one alongside other ancient Near Eastern creation texts, like it's it's very clear that's not what's going on. That's not what uh what the author of the Bible is particularly interested in. Mm. But uh, there are other things, too. Uh, I'll leave off the question with this example. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the way that Genesis 1 is ordered, so uh, we moderns, we really freak out when we ge- when we read Genesis 1 because there's so much that seems strange and almost kind of nonsensical. Uh, trees are created before the sun. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. You have on days 1, 2, and 3, you have... Evening and morning, evening and morning, God creates light and he separates the light from the darkness, but the sun isn't created until day four, which doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one thing that the uh, promulgators of the framework hypothesis, I do not buy that hypothesis, but one thing that they did get correct that most uh, Hebraic scholars do accept is that you can do this if you just get a sheet of paper and try this at home. (laughs) <laughs> Read through Genesis 1 uh, and then write down the order of the creation of the creation days, like what's created. And you'll end up essentially with a table where uh, on days 1 through 3, God creates, he'll create a domain. So day 1, let there be light. Day 2, 
he creates the heavens, uh, which separate from, from the ocean, the waters below day three, uh, he creates earth, earth and plants. Uh, and then he'll fill, fill that domain, like in the exact same order on the next successive, uh, day four, day five, day six. So I think what's, there's a lot behind this poet, like the poetic structures in Genesis, uh, occurrences of number seven are extremely frequent. Like if you count up important words in the creation account, they occur in pairs of seven. Mm. Like the, the creation account in Genesis one is absolutely genius in the way that it's constructed. Uh, and in terms of its patterns, in terms of its seven structures. So essentially I think the creation account, the, the order of things that are created on the days, uh, are essentially created in a pattern sequence. They're created for the sake of uh, almost poetic uh, patterning. In Hebrew, you can pick that up, but not in English or, 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 or Spanish. But in Hebrew, when it says buhu and tu buhu and uh, out of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, and, uh, which, which is the purpose of a good commentary. Mm. You'll pick all that up even if you don't uh, read Hebrew. Mm. But I, I think like... Uh, you know, for hundreds of years, Christians have been so anxious about why is the creation account like the days are ordered so strange and all of that. Why do you have like, uh, I think uh, you, you have like birds created before insects and, and just, just odd things like that. And I think the reason is essentially because this is an ancient Near Eastern creation account. It follows the standards of ancient Near Eastern creation accounts. And uh, it's ordered the creation account is ordered not so much literally, but it's ordered in terms of a poetic structure, in terms of like just so it uh, internally coheres in a way that's symmetrical. Mm. And also, the issue is that a lot of people think that they have to be 24 hours a day or else God didn't do it. <laughs> but uh, like you said, uh, the light uh, was made before the sun. So, so how do you measure a day? That's the issue. How do you measure a day? Uh, um, and how is the you know that in, in scripture the day can be a thousand years? So it's just 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 and, and the thing Peter in the psalm is just giving you giving us an example of of time, not not necessarily a thousand years. So, um, but how do you, I, do you have an opinion? I, I, I on that? think an ancient Israelite would have taken the days as literal literal twenty four hour periods, mm -hmm. but I think it's just. It's besides the point in the text, mm. essentially, like just how Baal, when he creates his temple in seven days, the text isn't talking about he created his temple actually in, you know, so many millions of years. Mm. Baal created his temple in seven days. That's what the text says and means. But the, the point of the seven days, the point of the passage is not so much focused on the days, but the theological messaging that the days communicate. Mm. And uh, from my perspective, just like in the Bible, when, when God tells David, uh, I judge your kidneys. I see the thoughts in your kidneys. The point of that passage is not to teach you about kidneys. It's not to teach you about physiology. Because we it's know we don't think the in the kidneys. We don't think in the kidneys. Right. That, that's not the point. So it doesn't bother me that, that you have uh, the understanding this of sort of distribution of meaning, correct? Mm. No, I mean, uh, th th that's interesting because, yes, um, they is used as a measuring stick just to tell us, to, to, to give you, it's, it's the framework. It's a framework, not, not, not actually the point. The it's main a theological point. framework, an yes. ancient, ancient theological framework that was 
standard for creation accounts. It was uh, it was just part and parcel of how you of how you do a creation account in the ancient Near East. So so it's, so in a sense, like again, I like to finish up with this, like you said about this all the scholar that said, it's not that the Israelites or Jews, if we are going to take. Um, Genesis to be edited in the exile. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being more critical here, more, more uh, <laughs> and I want people to hear this. I mean, I want people to hear this. That, that it's not that it's not, in my case, it's not, that, it's not that I don't believe that the oral tradition didn't start with Moses. I mean, I do, but uh, but the written the written text uh, more or less comes from the exile. They're trying to to come to grips and with, with what's happening to them. So 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 that so the issue is that. Um, that uh, it's not that the Israelites are are uh, copying uh, or, or plagiarizing other 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 things or other cultures. It's their culture. It's their cosmology. Right, and the cases where they do copy other cultures, I guess uh, it's almost always polemic. Uh, it's almost always. Um, Oh, you say this about your God? We're going to take that from you because we like it and apply it to our God. Look, he's better. <laughs> that's sort of a that sort of like, mindset. Like the cloud writer. Yeah, like the cloud writer. Yes, yeah, that being, that, that's another one. Anyway, well, that, that, that's good. That's good. Uh, I'm just thinking. The time.